Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. Joe Biden's signature accomplishment was signed into law last week, the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus bill. And it's a generational bill, apparently, even though I don't really know what it does. But this presents an interesting quandary for the current establishment in how do you frame the next, let's say, two years of the Biden presidency. So on this episode, we're going to talk about the media cycle and the various different phases of the media cycle and postulate as to what media cycle we're in currently and perhaps where we're going. So let's start off with the most obvious and observable media cycle. And we're going to call this phase manufacturing consent. This happened around 2001, where 9-11 happens. Everybody says, I hate brown people. The media rallies around, we have to go invade Iraq. We have to go invade Afghanistan. You have people on Oprah's show saying that there are weapons of mass destruction. Everybody in America is led to believe that something is happening and the government uses the media to achieve their end goal. So that's manufacturing consent. One way to frame manufacturing consent is to put it in the often used term echo chamber in which you have the same message being repeated over and over again. And, and how this plays out in, in practice, and, and we see it every day, is that somebody gets a talking point or the talking points come out, uh, and, and it, they're not just like you're going to say these exact five things. It's it's more like you're going to say um, something about how PFOAs don't hurt children, or you're going to say something like, you know, there's weapons of mass destruction somewhere, or the kids are in cages during Obama's period of time, right? It's not really that bad. Um, it's better than the land they lived before. And they just keep repeating it over and over again. And then essentially what happens is that people who have listened to this drivel over and over again begin to repeat it to themselves and think as think of it as true. And now what you've done is you've got a group of people who have heard the echo, and if they're repeating it on the news, it must be true over and over again. And then they start repeating it and believing it and trying to share it with others. And that's how it's echo chamber. You take very simple terminology and you begin to weaponize it and make people believe something they wouldn't have believed, you know, 10 minutes before that by just repeating the same things over and over again. And then we call that messaging. It's no different than a commercial. This is effectively just the enactment of state propaganda. It's propaganda. Propaganda works. So when was the last time we saw the manufacturing consent phase? What was the most recent example? One of the most recent uh, for manufacturing consent is when... You had Biden during his campaign saying everybody needs $2,000, $600 not enough, over and over and over again. And then when it's his turn in power, he comes out and says, I'm going to give everybody $1,400 because that's what everybody needs. And when people challenge him on the $1,400, he goes, well, no, $1,400 plus $600 is $2,000. I've been saying that the whole time. And then you have his aides and everybody around him repeating the same thing to make you think that you must have just misheard him, that you didn't know what he was really talking about and for some portion of the population they begin to believe it because they want to believe that biden is being a nice guy they play on emotions they play on all these things when biden at the end of the day is just trying to appease people by giving out money to keep majority of the population happy or at least you know not in debt not dying and another good example currently is the whole COVID issue where it's safe to go outside, COVID's behind us, everything's fine. We're not going to go into it in any great detail on this episode, but the COVID manufacturing of consent is there to get everybody back to work and allow capital to continue making money. We've talked about that a billion times in the past. Yeah, and you're seeing it right now. We talked about the previous episode where 
you know, school should be able to just open a window. Yeah, we wrote this report and we say it's okay, therefore it's okay. And enough people read it and go, well, surely the CDC would be truthful and honest because they're the Centers for Disease Control. What else would they be doing? They would never lie to us. Throughout the course of, of history, we always want to believe that the people that are telling us are not lying. And we always put faith in individuals doing the good, the right thing. And, and that's why manufactured consent and propaganda works is psychologically you want to believe that the people talking to you are truthful. And it's also very disruptive to always live in a paranoid state where everybody is lying to you. That's the other extreme. So one extreme is the government could do no wrong or everything's good or, or I, I believe the propaganda. The other is to believe everything's a conspiracy theory. And both are super harmful. It's, it's, it's the menacing portion of the media cycle and the government distorting the facts that's harmful because you, you begin to question what is real and what's not real and who can you trust. And I think that's one of the underlying you know premises here with manufacturing consent is that you don't know who you can trust. You have to trust somebody and who you choose has implications on the future of yourself and the country. So one of the dangers of the Biden administration is that they have this veneer of truthfulness and honesty, but it's really just manufacturing consent. Everything they're doing is purposeful to drive some narrative. Under the Trump presidency, this wasn't really the case because the media cycle basically established Donald as a complete idiot, and truthfully, he was. But the framing of the messaging was that Donald's an idiot and it's just pure chaos. But functionally, nothing was really that different. It's just a different lens on the government doing what they want. Trump created so much chaos that after a day, you would forget about the last set of chaos he did. He didn't even need to manufacture consent. He just did shit. The media reacted, but didn't do anything. Well, what can the media do? Nothing. So the media has no ability to do anything because the media's job is to report. It's up to the reactionary populace to do something about it, but with the, the reactionary populace are always looking for a leader, and when there is no leadership... There's no one to have their back. And what do you do with a bunch of people who are leaderless? You destroy them and occupy Wall Street. Because there's no way for the blind to lead the blind. They don't know what to do next. Part of the champ, what we champion on this show is is get local, get active, get a group of people that you can trust and who want to be weird with you. Because at the end of the day, those are people that you're going to rely on to have your back and, and, and talk about stuff. And during the Trump administration, everything felt powerless because the entire organization behind Trump had a line top down. They had aligned vertically from national down to the local level, and they had basically acolytes at every single level fighting for him, fighting for his policies in, in the chaos. But you don't see that on the other side. You don't see that with the Green Party. You don't see that with the left anywhere. You don't see that with the Democrats who are a center-right party. You don't see the opposition anywhere, and so you're left with just like, oh, no, the status quo is destroyed. But at the end of the day, not much really fundamentally changed because all of the things that Trump did – were already in the power of the presidency, were already available, they were already done in some extent by previous administrations. He just happened to be very overt about it and went a little farther than what we were used to. So the entire paradigm of the Trump presidency was to not even waste their time manufacturing consent. They just did what they wanted to do. And that's what's scary about the Biden presidency is that the people surrounding him understand that propaganda can be weaponized and they're going to go about methodically rolling out policies that serve whatever their interest is so that at the end of the day, there's popular support for them in some fashion through propaganda. Trump didn't do this. He just did shit. And they're kind of the same strategy, but completely different at the same time. Right now, we're going to have this this lull period in which, you know, Biden's going to pretend that he's rolling back a, a lot of Trump's, you know, policies. But let's remember that 
There's still kids in cages. They're still bombing Yemen. They just bombed Syria, right? They didn't roll back Trump's tax cuts. They could do that right away. They didn't do that. They didn't expand the Supreme Court to get rid of Trump's picks. They still have legacy Trump people within all of his advisor positions randomly throughout the government. Like the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, right. So they still have those people around. Right? They're still the same generals. They still have the same people in all of the civil servant areas that Trump had, which are very similar people that Obama had. So it's it's not like things change. And the idea that Biden's going to change anything is fundamentally flawed. He's going to come in and appease people because he's going to give a small little taste of what it was like to maybe have a more progressive agenda. And, you know, progressivism is a bullshit term um, because everything is so center right. You know, but it's really important to know that Biden just isn't going to be that change everybody's hoping for. I mean, Obama wasn't. I mean, Clinton sure the hell wasn't. And you're going to see this as part of the media narrative where you talk about Oh, his stimulus bill, it was generational. You're conjuring greatness out of effectively very little. And this is another presentation of Biden's not actually functionally doing anything. But if we make him seem as though he's doing great things, it's substance versus style. And if the media is carrying the style portion, that's going to win the day because people functionally aren't paying attention to what Congress is doing. And especially now that the stimulus has passed and you're going to get your $1,400, the thinking is that it's over, people will disengage, we'll go back to brunch. So this media framing and phase can largely be defined as the brunch stage, where you want everything to return to equilibrium, there's no stresses on the system, you have all the white affluent people aren't bothered by politics anymore, and they don't have to care, or pay attention, or engage. Yeah, good point. I mean, the, the white affluent suburbs and, and we say it not to, in a racist tone but just in a, in a matter of fact right the suburban lifestyle the one that has the money to um donate to campaigns the people who have time to go to school board meetings the people that have the time to be on pta and and the money to to buy the suburbans and take the boat out and you know care how clean the water is because they're affected on their beach days like that class of people they don't want to have to go back to thinking about how terrible the president was so think about the the how they would feel if you're saying oh you're killing kids here or there like some people care some people don't so when you say go back to normal and go back to status quo it's basically being able to check out politically and do what they want instead of needing to focus on actual political and actual change like real change like donating time to cleaning up the water they care about they don't want to do that they want to just donate money or they want to harass some poor person that that works at the beach to make sure the beach is clean for them next time they get there yeah it's a it's a very personal political objective for these people it's not societal and so long as it doesn't affect them they don't care they don't care now we take we say that as again a generality there are people who have the money and the the power to do something but you know as you begin to to dig down like how how much are they willing to be you know, stressed and strained in their current position, the argument might be that they're willing to be um, left as long as it's not inconvenient. And they're just, they're, they're left for the clout, right? They're left to be different. They're left to be um, slightly, we'll call them like edgy, right? It's, it's no different than the edgelords on the, on the MAGA side, right? The kids running around, Trump's, Trump's going to win. They had no idea about policies. They're doing it to just get a reaction on people, right? Or for the clout. So those type of people are actually just as dangerous because they, they basically come in and they think they're doing a great thing. They think that drinking, you know, um, fair trade coffee 
is going to somehow save Guatemala. But that's all they do, right? They're left on paper. So going forward, I think we're going to see that we're in a relatively dangerous time from the context of the media cycle. People are going to start paying less and less attention to the same stuff that they cared about during Trump's presidency. Earlier, you rattle off kids in cages. You have bombings in Syria. All of those things were bad because Trump did them. But now that Joe's in power, you're not going to hear about it on the news. And that's fine with a lot of people because they don't want to hear about it. Because if they hear about it, they have some moral inkling that they should care or do something about it. And it's easier just to believe that the old man with dementia is going to solve all the problems that you used to care about. And if you don't hear about them, you'll just assume that they're fine. Because surely the media would report on important things like kids still being in cages. But that's delusional. It's, it's just a false consciousness that a lot of people are totally willing to fall into because it's easier. It doesn't inconvenience you. What's going to happen in the next, I don't know, they always say the first 100 days. What's going to happen in the next 100, 200 days? We're going to still have COVID. School is going to be out in June, right? So they're going to talk about reopening schools. By the time they get the reopening, it's going to be end of May, right? You're going to have the whole summer to get more COVID. And really nothing substantial is going to happen in the first year of Biden's time because they're going to go on break and all these things, you know, what Congress does. They're going to complain about the deficit. Biden's going to probably choke on that. Oh, I can't do anything about it. He already got Manchin talking about how he had to raise taxes, which is good for him to, you know, pay for the, pay for it. But the question is, is whether or not Manchin wants to raise taxes or, you know, cut other spending. But at the end of the day, the status quo we're going to get back to is the Bush-Obama-Clinton years, which is the center-right policies, uh, U.S. intervention in other countries. I mean, again, we already bombed Syria, like the first week he was in office. Not really the first week, but, you know, first two months. We already see a ramp-up of, oh, media cycle of how Iran and Russia tried to influence the 2020 elections. Uh, so we're going back to the same old rhetoric where we have to have strong military and, and strong interventionism. So what does that really mean for... You know, how to decipher actual news. In this intervening, I'm going to say, honeymoon period where nothing's going to happen and people are going to generally have a positive view of Biden until something actually happens. That is what we're going to call actual news or real news. And in the last, let's say, 18 months, there's been some examples of real news. And what we mean by real news is that things that happen that are unexpected, that the media and the establishment is unprepared for from a messaging perspective. Most obvious example is COVID last February and March. New York cases started increasing. People started panicking. Nobody knew what to do. There was no messaging. You saw, you know, Fauci come out and say you don't need to wear a mask. So there were there were early attempts at manufacturing of consent around, oh, COVID's fine. You know, everybody just get back to work. But it didn't really work. And and another example is the George Floyd protesting in Minnesota at the end of May. Police stations started getting burned. You had news stations there watching other buildings burn. There was no way to control this. It was completely organic news. It was not propaganda-based. This led to Black Lives Matter, which had some power in the media cycle for some period of time. It's since been co-opted. We did an episode about that. So when actual real news happens, it disturbs the current cycle, and the system will attempt to return to equilibrium. And what we've seen in the last year or so is that this return to equilibrium took longer than I think the establishment would have wanted. It's raising the contradictions about how when bad things happen, it's because of this. You see the Derek Chauvin trial where a lot of people seem to think that he's going to be acquitted. And a lot more people are watching a jury trial, for example, for the first time. And 
just being exposed to actual unfiltered propaganda free news and making a determination for themselves and a lot of the real news is so i'm going to say in your face that most people when they see it are like whoa that's fucked up and it's hard to propagandize away that initial organic feeling of whoa this very visceral thing that i just saw with my own eyes is fucked up like how do you get rid of that from a propaganda perspective and the answer is through repetition and repetition and repetition but that takes time I think the takeaway is that in the next couple of months, you're going to see an erosion of these, I'm going to say, radicalizing real news events that have happened. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, I'm glad you brought up Black Lives Matter and the idea that there's, um, you know, uh, a media cycle that was organic and, and there's nothing you could do about it. And there's one weapon that counter news agencies will use, and that's essentially outrage. We can call it fake outrage for this instant. Oh, Black Lives Matter hates the police and hates this and that. And what they do is they make it really extreme. Oh, they're trying to tamper with the witness pool. Did you see that? I bet I bet the Minneapolis um, prosecutor decided to release the fact that $27 million was given to the estate of, of Mr. Floyd uh, in order to bring down you know the, the defense. Blah, 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 blah. And this fake outrage, I mean, people saying it may actually be mad about it or not, but it's, it's designed to get people that are you know unsure of it or maybe have a slightly uh, opposite view over to the extreme side to instead of being like uncertain to be now a hater or full of hatred for it. So uh, the idea that this cop who murdered somebody is going to be prosecuted all of a sudden becomes, I can't believe they're going to prosecute a cop who is just doing his job to, do you believe this? They're trying to railroad these police officers. Look, look at they're risking their lives for you. And that type of messaging is what gets the polarization because some people say this is you're nuts. You're, this is bullshit. You're crazy. And other people say, how can I be crazy? Look, look at the world around you. And that is how essentially capitalism gets its power. Any any type of authoritarian agency gets its power. And you've heard us before. You know, the neoliberal idea is, is essentially like democratically controlled fascism. It is designed to give away your public um, space to private entities. And you get to basically choose between two candidates that enjoy it. So a really good example of this fake outrage is the burning of the police station, which I talked about earlier, there was some polling that occurred shortly after the police station was burned. And roughly 60% of those surveyed expressed a favorable opinion of the police station getting burned. So 60%, that's a pretty high number in the context of pretty much anything. It was certainly higher than both presidential candidates at the time. Now, fast forward to six months later, and you have, like you said, the idea that, oh, I can't believe we're prosecuting a police officer. He was just doing his job. So in the span of six months, this fake outrage has has led public opinion to shift this far. And it's a strategy to take actual news, which is the burning of the police station, which is an organic interpretation of events that are not really filtered through the media. The media is simply reporting what's happening. They themselves don't know what's happening. Over this six-month period, you introduce outrage, you introduce the manufacturing of consent, and opinion erodes. And you always want to get back to this persisting of the status quo, this equilibrium that we're, I think, transitioning into currently. And Biden will do that by appeasing the, the more left individuals with these pseudo-progressive ideas. There's nothing progressive about a stimulus package. It's no different than giving out um, workers' compensation when individuals are out of work. It's just a way to stimulate the economy. It's no different than... The, the child tax credits that come at the end of the year where you give individuals who are poor 
an influx of cash so that they can go out and spend it and spur the economy. That's There's no different. They go out and buy big TVs and shit. They buy stuff, right? They, it's no different in policy. He's not doing anything fundamentally different than what Trump did. Trump gave out Trump bucks. Now we got Joe bucks or Joe dollars, whatever you want to call them. Biden bucks. So it's the policies are no different. It's the same treasury. Nothing's changed, right? But to, to, to herald him as a, as a hero of the working class is fucking crazy. He tried to put Nira in the office, and she spent her entire time, her entire life, tearing down unions. I mean, he does have some interesting cabinet picks, but it doesn't mean he's going to go through and purge the cabinets of any of the Trump trolls. He won't do that. He's not going to go through like Trump did and, and move the entire USDA's um, inspection division to Utah so that everybody quits and then he can fill it with whoever he wants to. Yeah, none of that's going to happen. He's not going to go through the Department of Justice and, and fire uh, acting U.S. attorneys. He won't do that. I mean, Bush went through and fired eight attorneys. Just what he did. He just wanted to go through and did it and, and got rid of them for, for political reasons. Right? These are bureaucrats who can't be fired for political reasons. But guess what? Trump converted 100,000 people to political positions that can all be fired. But Biden won't go through and do the purge. He should, but he won't. He won't go through and purge all the right-wing extremists out of the military, which he should. There's no way that they, they're not tracking who, who is right and who's left and who's center you know, throughout the military. The, the FBI, the CIA, they don't care who you are or, or what you believe in. They, they just have you grouped in different buckets so that whoever wants to go after your bucket has your information there. So you're tracked, and he won't go through into the purge. And we're gonna to get to this law. We're gonna we're gonna see some cool things happen, I guess. Like he's not gonna let um, the pipeline go through, okay? But is he gonna do a moratorium on all offshore drilling? Probably not, right? Is he gonna convert the entire um, United States um, fleet to electric vehicle only? Probably won't do that. Is he going to ground? air missions and just do simulations only instead of wasting fossil fuels and, and, and ground flyovers. He won't do that. Is he going to stop, you know, weekend trainings of the National Guard who just dump lead and in, in waste gas everywhere? Nope. Like, you know, there's there's lots of environmental policies just aren't going to happen. Like, real substantial changes. And everybody's having to get a pseudo-fascist out of office, but they're, they're missing the long-term picture, which is that we got to keep the pressure on there. Yeah, and handing out stimulus checks to stimulate the economy for a year in an effort to stave off some sort of depression or recession or some frowny face that capitalizes, doesn't systemically change anything. And in a year, we're going to be right back into the position where all workers are getting exploited again to their maximum efficiency. And that's ultimately what the goal is, if you're in a position of public political power. Again, it's time to remember that you can't bite off and boil the whole ocean. And this isn't doom and gloom again. You know, It's all about national politics you know, in the news, but it's, it's really about local action for you to make a difference and to keep in mind what your ideals are and who you are and that biden isn't going to be the savior so anybody that talks about biden you have to you have to understand that their material conditions means they have hope in something and something change or something happening and it's your your goal then to convert that energy into something local help them build a community garden help them you know hand out homeless um packages to individuals who need it you know like soap and deodorant and refine them shelter go out and act locally and that's the only way that we can counteract the center right democrats and the center right right republicans for future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement join us at workermovement.com